Welcome to the Old Moms Podcast. We're childhood friends on opposite ends of motherhood, inspiring moms of all ages and stages to laugh at life's unexpected, ridiculous, and endearing moments. Hey, Gina, how's it going? Hey, Sarah, things are good. I was thinking, wouldn't it be fun if we talked about vacations today since summer's on the horizon? Oh, that's perfect. And hopefully vacationing or taking some trips to visit people we haven't seen in a long time is on the horizon too. Yes, I hope so. I feel like you probably have a lot more to say about this because we haven't taken our little guy on a vacation at all since the pandemic hit right when he was just a little bit over one. And I'd love to hear some crazy stories from your experience with kids? Oh gosh. Well, I have some fun ones from my guys when they were younger, but the first thing I thought of were vacations that my family took when I was younger. So my parents took us to Disney World when I was five years old. It was a huge vacation for us. And my mom had packed the car of food, packed the car with games and stuff for us to play along the way. And we set out and I don't know how long we were in the car, but it wasn't very long. And I got queasy and car sick and threw up into the game. I think it was Candyland that we were playing in the backseat. Oh, and so <laughs> we had to pull off to the side of the road and my parents are both in the back seat trying to get my clothes off of me, put on clean clothes, clean up the game, take care of the car upholstery, everything. And they remember my brother on the side of the road, standing there, like jumping up and down saying, our trip is ruined. Our trip oh. is ruined. <laughs> that's a little kid thing for a sibling to be so concerned about how their trip is being affected by another sibling's illness and problem. You know, the family car might smell like vomit for six months, but gosh, the trip is ruined. So funny. That is so funny. I can't imagine going on a car trip like that. We never did long car trips. We would go to the mountains occasionally. We didn't do a whole lot of, you know, vacation trips in the car. I remember one trip where we did fly. We would fly to New York. I want to say like every other summer, maybe my mom's whole extended family was still out there. So we would fly as a family and my dad once couldn't go with us. So my mom took three kids on the plane by herself. And I was probably five. My sister was six. My brother was three. And I remember having, it was during the summer, my mom bought us these kind of like the Christmas candy cane that's filled with gumballs or filled with other candy, but it was during the summer. So I don't know what shape it was, but it was one of those. And I remember being scared on the plane and this super nice man. And my mom remembers, I mean, I wish I could find this person. I wish it was modern times where we took a picture or I had his Facebook page or something. He was so nice. He let me sleep on his shoulder and he was so nice. My mom said I was so scared and I kept shoving gumballs in my mouth and he was heading home to New York. He had this this loving accent that I'm so used to. And he said, don't get any cavities with all those gumballs. Like I can remember (laughs) this guy's voice from when I was five years old in my ears. He was so sweet because I was a wreck on the plane and my brother and my mom's trying to like wrangle a three-year-old and my sister was probably reading the Wall Street Journal. (laughs) (laughs) In the seat, totally calm and cool. So when we first moved to Colorado within that first year, year and a half, we went on a ski trip. We have funny memories of that trip because we had one experience where my parents could not get the hang of getting off the ski lift while they were still standing up on 
their skis. So my brother and I once were behind them on the lift and their turn came and they both stood up, which is hard. Now I know how hard it is to stand up in your 40s. But so they stand, <laughs> right. stand up on the skis, on skis, no less. They stand up and then they both fell to the opposite direction, which as your two kids behind you, like just watching your parents from behind, stand up and then they both collapse to the side. We were roaring with laughter. And we just never <laughs> saw them fall, you know? I mean, oh my gosh, it was so funny. They had to stop the lift. They had to watch people help them up. And then from the top of the hill, we watched my mom and she, we figure out she can only turn left. So she would start, she would sidestep on these skis all the way to the right at the top of the hill. And then she, and this is just a hill, like a bunny hill. You could see the bottom from where we were standing. She would sidestep all the way to the right and then just try to go left as slowly as she could. And so then she would end up at the left, on the left at the bottom. So another time my brother and I are riding up the lift and we look down and we can see her. I mean, this is, you know, 90s bright colored ski clothes. We could easily identify her. We're watching her from the lift and she is turning left, but she's going too fast. So she's going to end up at the total left side of the mountain halfway down instead of at the bottom, which is what you're shooting for. So she ends up going into a ski school. They just took this one little area of the bunny hill and they had like hula hoops buried in the snow and little tunnels and ropes to pull you up and all these little kid things to teach kids how to do it. There were kids actually there with their instructors and she just blew right into it like Chevy Chase in a movie. It was so funny. That is hilarious. I could so see her doing that. And the first time you go skiing, it is so just, you're just so disoriented. Like the, the, I did the same thing falling off the lift and just trying to get your bearings. It's so, yeah, I admire her for going in her 40s skiing because my parents went once. They were probably a little younger than that. And that was it. They only went once. We only went, I've only been skiing that one time too. Well, my thing, we had taken the boys several times with my parents skiing and I guess maybe just a couple of times, but they hadn't ever really done the whole Colorado fun in the summer. There's so much to do in the state of Colorado in the summer in all seasons to enjoy nature wise. So we planned this big trip for July a couple of summers ago, and we were going to go for two weeks, drive all over, do color, you know, go down through Colorado Springs. I was so excited to take them to Mesa Verde because we had gone there in middle school and just show them Durango, go whitewater rafting, the whole thing. And I can't remember the whole circumstance surrounding this, but we decided to move our trip up to May. Somehow we just, you know, it worked out that it was going to be so much better with our schedules and stuff the kids had coming up as activities that summer. And we also thought we were going to camp. I mean, we packed tents, all this stuff, because it was going to be summertime. Well, we get out there and quickly realize that May is still winter in Colorado. Yeah, <laughs> totally <laughs> is, yeah. <laughs> we didn't even pack really clothes according to the weather. I mean, we each had like maybe two pairs of pants and all t-shirts and shorts, because we really thought we were going to be there in the summer. And we just didn't, I didn't, it didn't occur to me after having lived away from Colorado for so long that I should think about how cold it was going to be. So we were very discombobulated to say the least starting out that way. I mean, we were on a horseback ride and it was snowing and I had just like a zip up hoodie was my warmest thing that I had with me. So I think it was after that snowy horseback ride, we went driving to Telluride. We were staying in this hotel in Telluride that I had gotten a great deal on. And we had to take this long winding path there because some huge tree or boulder had fallen on the roadway and the easiest, fastest route was completely blocked. So we're driving oh in the dark. It's snowy. We've been cold. You know, we the car is a mess. This was like maybe eight days into a trip where we're just in and out of hotels and in the car. We had been to the Pagosa Springs Hot Springs. And so we had that sulfur smell with our swimsuits from the back. 
jackets, yeah. canes and chivas and sandals. I mean, the car looked like a dumpster fire. So I had gotten this awesome deal, super low rate on one night in this hotel at Telluride. And the pictures looked awesome online, you know. So we pull up and out of nowhere, it's like a vision in a movie. It just appears and there's these heaters and little flaming things like a nice restaurant would have outside, like guiding our path as we pull up under this beautiful wooden awning. And I just thought, we are in over our heads a little here. I mean, this is not not where we normally would be staying. So we pull up and Joe cracks the window because this guy approaches from the hotel. And it's the valet going to park the car. Well, no one could come in that car. I mean, it was not... not parkable by a valet. I mean, Joe didn't even want to roll the window down all the way. I mean, two boys that were almost teenagers and two parents in eight days in the Silver Hot Springs. I mean, it was right in the car. So Joe's like shaking his head. No, he can be kind of a man of few words. And he's like, uh, no, I'll just, I'll just be parking it myself. And then he starts going back and forth. And the guy's like, oh, sir, it is no problem. We will just take it to our garage. We'll bring all of your bags up for you. I mean, the bags, I don't even know if one of them was zip. It was clothes and stuff all over the so finally, Joe said, okay, I'll let you park it. He's like, roll all four windows down to let it air before the guy got in. He's like, I'll let you park it. But he said, don't touch the bags. Just tell me where the parking garage is and I'll bring them up. Oh. I mean, we were mortified at how disgusting the inside of the car was. Never expecting that stranger was going to hop right in. Yeah, you were in a classy place getting some valet parking. I know. I mean, it was not happened since and or before. But um, <laughs> Well, you're always good at finding good deals because, yeah, going on these trips especially with two kids. Everything is just so expensive and it's hard to do and we're lucky enough to even get to go on trips. So to get a good deal like that, can't pass it up, but it's definitely awkward to be, you know, you feel a little self-conscious when you're out of your element like that. Oh yeah. And they're probably not thinking anything of it. I felt like The Croods. Have you seen the movie The Croods? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I felt like. Like we had just walked out from the Colorado, you know, forest and just wandered our way up there. And we're like, can you park our Flintstones rock? vehicle that we power by a feet. <laughs> I mean, that's what we felt like in the moment. Um, I don't have a ton of like, I don't, I'm trying to think like, I don't have any wild and crazy stories from my own childhood, but I could talk for six hours about school field trips if you're, if you're up for that. Oh my gosh. Tell me about one of your field trips. The one that stands out for obvious reasons is the one time that I lost a student on a field trip. <gasps> oh, Let me back it up before I get shamed as a terrible teacher. So there was one year where our district offered for every single fifth grade class to go to the Denver Performing Arts to see the Nutcracker. So every single fifth grade class in the district was going at the same time. Like they made this a special day for our district. So literally 50 buses full of fifth graders and teachers are pulling up at the same time. So back at the school before we leave, I have everybody paired up and I keep talking about stick with your buddy. If you don't see your buddy, come tell me you lost your buddy. I've said buddy 600 times. Thought we all had it. (laughs) Ready to go. So we're getting ready to leave for the field trip. And the secretary knocks on my door and tells me I have a new student starting this day. Oh, gosh. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, we're going on this field trip. And so, you know me, I'm like, well, let's just make sure his mom's cool with it. Let's get permission over the phone. He definitely should get to go on this really super special field trip. So any teacher will tell you at that point, I had 28 kids. He made 29 and I would rather have 50 kids than have 29 kids. Like I need an even number. It's so much harder when there's an odd number. So anyway, I say to the student, don't worry, I'll be your buddy. 
<laughs> I'm your buddy. You're my buddy. We're buddies. Okay. Get on the bus. 30 people total. 29 children. Myself. We sit through the nutcracker. Beautiful. Special. We're all feeling great. <laughs> we go down. Of course, after the show, it's like everyone's piling out of the performing arts complex. We're all trying to keep track of our class. We get on the bus and, and I count off and there's only 28 kids. Oh my and gosh. so I say to my class, who's missing their buddy? Raise your hand if your buddy <laughs> is not here. You guys, look at me. Who is missing their buddy? Who? <laughs> you can guess where this is going. And then one student finally pipes up and says, I think you're missing your buddy. I ran off the bus and was screaming like running through the entire performing arts complex, screaming this kid's name. I had every security guard. I'm trying to open my flip phone. This is, you know, before smartphones. I call the school and have to tell my principal, heads up, I've lost a kid. Just, you know, I'm looking for him. I think it'll be fine, although I don't know. So she calls the transportation department that like puts a message out to every single bus that there's a kid missing. They ask me, what does he look like? And of course I have to say like, oh, I don't know, 4'10", brown hair, brown eyes. Is that helpful? <laughs> that <laughs> pretty much describes 4,000 kids that were there. So they're asking me like, what kind of, what was he wearing? Does he have any like facial, like a beauty mark or anything? And all I'm thinking is I have literally laid eyes on this kid for the half hour bus ride here. And then we were in a dark theater for two hours. I have no idea. I barely know this kid. So I'm running around screaming. And then the teacher brotherhood, sisterhood comes to my rescue. Every teacher is just, you know, screaming his name, trying to help me find him. My whole class, I mean, I had jumped off the bus. I said, nobody move. <laughs> the bus driver's like, don't worry, they'll be fine. And I'm running and running and running. And I finally turn and he's just in line at the end of another class to get on a bus. Like he didn't know he was oh, lost. He just thought... And he said to me, oh, I thought that was my teacher. Like, <laughs> to this other one. <laughs> we were buddies. <laughs> and I said, I'm just so thankful you did not know that you were lost. You know, he this whole time. You. He lost yeah. you. That's what happened. Totally. And I ran to him kind of like one of those like military reunion, like special surprise. I'm home after six month deployment. I picked, it was in I, slow motion. It was slow motion. And then I physically picked him up which was weird but I had I didn't know what else to do with <laughs> I mean I was like you're okay and he's like oh I thought my teacher was that lady and so we got back on the bus the principal was obviously waiting for me as we stepped off mm. and mm. now we can laugh about it <laughs> I am surprised I continued for teaching for 15 more years after that because that was so traumatic so I always think of field trips as like vacation for the kids but mm, yes. teachers should get paid triple pay on field trip days because it is by no means enjoyable for the teacher. We're just trying to give the kids an experience and we spend the entire time counting heads and worrying. Oh, everybody. It's the ratio that's the problem of one adult to that many kids. I mean, would we ever want that to be the scenario that we find ourselves in? When my mom and I have taken each of my nieces on a special trip for their fifth birthday, it's two adults, one kid, which you didn't grow up with a family that had that set up and I didn't either. So it's an amazing... I I can't wait for you to actually be able to take trips with your little guy because it's an amazing ratio that is in favor 
of things going so much more smoothly. I mean, you just don't even worry nearly as much, even in a huge theme park, about losing a kid or the safety of the kid because you've got two people that are invested in and responsible for their safety, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. That is the biggest issue with it. So I can't imagine because I do think places like Disney sound overwhelming to me, but how did it go taking those guys on those trips? Were they able to handle the crowds and all the craziness? So the two that we've taken so far, we decided to go in September at the beginning of their kindergarten year. So they actually started kindergarten and were there for about a week. And then immediately we took them out of school for maybe three or four days to go to Disney World. The really fun thing about going with your nieces is that we don't really travel solo, you know, with each other. So it was just different. We were getting to know each other a little bit better as we were going to spend all day and night together all these days in a row. So we were eating one of our meals and my niece is sitting at the table with us and my mom and I are there. We're all chatting. So she gobbled up her meal and then, you know, she's sitting there and her mom and dad aren't there. You know, I mean, they were super familiar with my mom and obviously knew me really well, but it's not like somebody that you eat all your meals with. So we're just talking, talking with her. You know, we don't know how much more she might need to eat or if that was enough or she liked her food. And so after a little while, she just said, Aunt Sarah. And so my mom and I both turned to her, you know, and I said, yeah. And she's like, um, I feel another cheeseburger coming on. She did not. <laughs> she was so hungry and she loved her burger, oh, but it was so cute the way she had it. Because I think she was trying to not just ask for more or ask for another meal, because I'm sure it was $87 for one kid's meal. And <laughs> All right. So, but I just, we laughed so hard and she was laughing really hard, you know, also still wanting the actual second cheeseburger, but which she got another story from that same trip, um, same little girl. So she's not quite five and a half. This is a first amusement park experience, a first experience on the rides. And my mom, as you know, is a little boisterous. She is the grandma that when you're on the teacups and you just are starting to spin, you know, and most people would kind of give like a, whoa, she's like, woo, woo, ah, yeah, just kind of, she tries to make it fun by what she's saying beyond what you're actually experiencing. So this niece is watching her and kind of learning from that. Plus other people, as it rides get going, they start to yell too. We went on a couple of kitty roller coasters and people are yelling on that and teaching their little ones to put their hands in the air. And so she kind of learned throughout the first day how to react to the fun sensation. It's a little bit of a thrill and a stomach butterfly feeling to yelp and hoop and holler on these rides. So we finish our whole day. We're headed back to the hotel, which is close by. And we go up this huge ramp from the Magic Kingdom and we're standing in line. And my mom and I keep talking about we're going to go on the monorail. So I think we had walked over from where our hotel was and hadn't ridden it yet. So we're talking about we're going to go on the monorail. We're going to ride the monorail. So we finally get up to where it's our turn after we've stood in line, like we have done all day. And we get in, find our spot. You know, she sits down. All the adults are are completely drained. I mean, you can just imagine what their faces look like. They've been applying sunscreen. Everybody's dehydrated. They're ready to go back to the hotel. Parents are holding all the backpacks. The strollers are a mess. I mean, it is just a decompression. It is usually a quiet ride on the Disney World monorail back to your hotel. So the doors close and as it takes off, it just jostles just like any you know, subway car would. It just kind of bounces just a little bit back and forth. And my niece is like, <laughs> Oh my God. 
so funny. So she just thought that's when we realized she thought this was a ride. And it kind of is. I mean, it's not really a ride, but it's a fun aspect of it. But she thought we were on a ride just like all the other ones. So the whole car turns to look at her just because it was loud, you know. So we all turn and she just shrugged her shoulders like, well, I don't know. You know, I'm five and a half. What do I know? I mean, it was so cute. She just shrugged her shoulders and put her hands up, you know, kind of like, mm, well, I don't know. That's what she does. That's what my grand right there. That's what she's doing all the time. So that's what I thought I would do. Yeah, this is no faster than the start of the, the teacup ride. Oh, no faster. It was so <laughs> funny. We And oh, then dude. when my mom and I start laughing together, we cannot breathe. I mean, I'm surprised we even made it off the monorail at our hotel stop because we were laughing so hard. Between that and the second cheeseburger that she felt coming on, oh, it was hilarious. Oh, that's so great. That's the best feeling when you laugh hard like that. <laughs> oh, yes. And then we did it again. So we had her sister and she loved the aerial ride. So there's a ride where you kind of go through Ariel's grotto, I think is even what it's called. And there's all these animatronic characters from the Little Mermaid movie. We went through it a couple of times. And that's the other great thing with two adults and one kid. And my mom and I are basically seven-year-olds at heart. So it didn't bother us to just keep riding the same ride. So this little one was infatuated with the aerial ride. We had done it probably, no exaggeration, 10 times. We went away, did the carousel, something else nearby, came back, did it like five more times. One of the times we were walking out of it and we're just kind of sitting down, you know, my mom's resting. And I said, so what should we do next? You know, and she just kind of looked at us and was like, oh, I don't know, Ariel, maybe. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, did it. I mean, literally 15 or 20 times we had been on this ride. And so, but then right after that, we get, we were like, sure, whatever. You know, this is your fun trip with your aunt and your grand. So we jump right back on the ride. And right as we kind of round the corner from when there's light and it's the area where everybody gets on and we go into the grotto and the songs all start. I leaned over to my mom and I was like, I wonder what's going to happen next. <laughs> Because the ride is the same every time. There's no, I think it would be cool if they reordered the songs, did something slightly different, but you're just watching the exact same show over and over and over again. What a gift to give them to have that special quality time and really enjoy themselves and for you to enjoy yourself too. Because I have been to the zoo 10 times with students, even when I take my niece or, you know, when I've taken her in the past, and I just can't even enjoy myself because I'm so consumed with let us not fall into the line enclosure the whole time. So I'm excited to do that. I like your way of doing it where the kid is outnumbered by adults. So there's actual enjoyment to be had by the adults there because it really is stressful going places and the expense of things is huge. So to go to Disneyland or Disney World and not enjoy it as the adult there is such a bummer. So how cool that you could be part of it too. That's great. Oh yeah, yeah. I feel like that's the, that differential that you're talking about is the same thing with the field trips where the teachers are never experiencing field trip days like the students are. Oh, never. And I, they would always make fun of me because I would wear a fanny pack completely <laughs> stuffed with band-aids. And I, when I was student teaching and we took the kindergarten class, so like you said, a five-year-old with two adults in Disney World versus two adults and 25 five-year-olds at the zoo, The my entire job as the student teacher was taking kids to the bathroom. That's all I did for three hours was like, who's next? All right. Who needs their shoe tied? (laughs) Who needs their nose wiped? Let's do this. It was not by any means. And I went on a date once to the zoo after I had been teaching for a little bit and was like a kid myself. I was saying things like, I didn't know we had polar bears here. He's like, haven't you been here before? I'm like, I have not looked at 
one animal in 10 years. Okay. I have not <laughs> read a plaque about anything. I have done nothing except obsess about the safety of children. <laughs> so I do oh, find hilarious. going to the zoo is an exciting thing for me as an adult just getting to do those things or going to the museum. I have so much fun in museums now because I've so badly desired to enjoy them when I couldn't. Didn't your dad famously declare that he was not going to another museum? Don't ask. <laughs> yeah, he's not. My dad has no patience. I mean, I think about the eulogy I will have to someday say for him, and that is going to be a huge bullet point. <laughs> <laughs> the man had no patience. I mean, he cannot handle crowds. He cannot handle waiting in line. Oh my gosh. Well, I so look forward to where you guys choose to go. I think it's going to be interesting to see what you and Patrick think would be fun places to take your little guy and what an adventure it will be for him having no memories that are pre-pandemic, basically. I know. That's true. I'm excited, too. I don't even know what to expect. And, you know, for now, we're just grateful that everybody that we, we are close to and love are healthy and we'll take it as it comes. We're kind of expecting the summer to be still a little bit low-key, which is a-okay. And then, yeah, it'll be really interesting, but fun in the sense that he is too little right now anyway to remember anything. So it's probably okay that we're not under the pressure to try to get out and do things when he's three because he wouldn't remember them. And to be honest, it sounds a little overwhelming to me to get on an airplane or a long drive does not even sound remotely fun to me. So I don't think we'll get the bang for our buck out of it being that he won't remember it anyway. Right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks for chatting about vacations and trips with me today. Oh, thank you. I hope you have a good week. We'll touch base again soon. All right. Sounds good. Bye, Sarah. Bye, Gina. <laughs>